Hey guys, and welcome back to the Two Cents Podcast, powered by Meaningful Minute. In this episode, we're going to have some fun. This is going to be Ari versus Yassi. This is going to be the difference in Kirov Krovim, Kirov Rechokim, the different ways that we work with people, our different points of jobs. We might look alike, but we are very, very different people. In this episode, you're going to find out exactly why. This episode is L'Schus Shidduch, Avram Yaakov Ben Fagerazel. And we just want to say a very special thank you to our sponsor, Yad La'achem, that is helping rescue Jewish women and children with your help. They're sponsor, they sponsor our podcast and will be providing an important update later on in the episode of, get this, recent and current rescues that are going on right now of women and children living in Arab villages that Yad La'achem are currently rescuing as we speak. Check them out at yadlaachem.org. Enjoy the episode, guys. Hi, everybody. This is Ari Ben-Shushan. And this is Yassi Ben-Shushan. And this is the Two Cents Podcast. Brought to you and powered by Meaningful Minute. Hello, everybody. Here we are. Welcome back. This is on It's a Boot. Welcome back. I'm Ari Ben-Shushan. I'm Yassi Ben-Shushan. And this is the Two Cents Podcast, where for two cents you can hear wow, Two Cents. Yes. Sponsored by Colgate. Wow. And it cleans your burns. <laughs> Remember that? And it cleans, it cleans your, burns. your burns. It cleans your burns. <laughs> the Colgate Hour brought uh, to you by Lewis. Colgate. Yep. Wow. It shines your teeth while it cleans your burns. Um, which is, yes, a great way, a great way to segue into today's talk. Today's talk is um, Blurred Lines of Kirov. People take this. Wow, very impressive. That was very right. That was that was that was old school. I I I I was actually kind of impressed with myself. Yassi, on that one. and no I right. and I even know what <laughs> you just lines. said with your Morse code too. You know, come on! <laughs> I had no idea you can sing the Colgate song in Morse code. <coughs> wow, come on! Um, we're going to talk about Kirif today, Yassi. And first of all, calm down. Certain people, when, when it comes to the word, yeah. they get all worked up. Like, like, right, right. Now, yeah, we have to talk about Kiriv. And, and, and it's just, they take it so personally. Something that... <sighs> what exactly, what exactly is a Kiriv professional? Yeah, I, right? That, that, that's, they, they, they always start with a, with a very, like, pointed question. I don't know. They're and not then, all English. But right? we always hear it in an English accent. And yes, they and then they have these things of, well, first of all, you need to know, you need to have your Kirov tool set. Inside it is which one would go to find all of the different answers, all of the different questions, all the different attitudes that one needs to have in order to successfully be Makarov, another Jewish person. Huh, slow down. They don't need, uh, you know, everybody's, it's, uh, today I, I really want to defunct right. some doubts that people may have certain um, rumors or concepts that go around about what needs to be had. Um, we're going to talk about our training, if there's such a thing um, in Kirov. I, I don't know exactly where that ends up. And we're going to talk about experiences. We're going to talk about different philosophical ideas. Um, Yassi and I may agree or disagree on a lot right. of these different things. Let's see where this it's takes actually- us. It's actually really interesting because, in reality, I think we're 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 w h e r e where we are most different. I think is in our is in our style of working with individuals, as far as our jobs go. I think is in our style of working with individuals. So we work with individuals very differently. We speak similarly only to other people, only because you know there's going to be that amount of. Uh, of joke to laugh to cry, you know, laugh to cry ratio, and, and and that that'll be similar, you know, it'll be a similar. We'll have similar gimmicks, as like you know, uh, um, accents and whatever you know, references and stuff like that. But but when we're dealing with the individual, I think we're dealing with a very very different uh, thing, and I think people are gonna, and, and I think people are shocked by that because it tends to be that people that are on 
either side of this fence that we're going to talk about in a second don't necessarily agree or feel that they have to be at odds with each other. So I, I think let's just segue right in over here. So there's, there's two different types of Kirov as far as actual going out there Kirov. Now, personally, I don't believe in this. It's right off the bat, I don't believe in it. I think that every Kiddush Hashem a person makes, every single person is doing There's a, You know, when Robert Berkowitz spoke about it, there's always a chiv on each person to be doing Kirov. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what you You don't have to be a rabbi. As a matter of fact, you know, how many people do you know that came from, from someone who wasn't a rabbi at all? You know, a, a relative of, you know, whatever it is. And, and, and it always happens the same, and I guess we'll get into this. It always happens the same. It's them watching those people. I, I never heard of anyone say something and someone said, that's it. I, I, I need a, he's right. I, 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 need to, I need to be like that now. It's always them watching someone do something, watching behaviors, watching a family interact, watching, watching these types of things. And people are like, I want that in my life. And what is that? And then when they ask, they find out it's Torah, it's, it's, it's mitzvot, it's, it's living a specific way. Okay. But so I think Kirov is such a broad statement to make. Um, yes. I just, think just, just clarifying. I think yeah, we need to clarify when you said people going out to do Kirov, I don't believe in that. It's not that you don't believe that people should go out and do Kirov. What you're saying is, not, what, what believe, you're saying is, is right. that I don't believe. I don't believe that that's that that's that that that. that, that I don't believe in the fact that that what is nowadays right. what is termed Kirov. I don't think that's what Kirov is. I think I mean, it's wonderful a job in Kirov, and that's amazing. Right, right. It's beautiful. It's incredible. You're you're a tzaddik. You're you're unreal. You're working right. for the rabbinic shalom. It's amazing. What I'm saying is, is that it's not like I ask any Jew. You ask, do you do Kirov? The answer should be yes. That that that's my point. The answer should always be yes. How do you do Kirov? That that that's a different story. By the way, I raise my kids in public. I don't know, but but the answer should always be yes. Um, so with that being said, you know there, though in the going out to do kirov in the in the I guess you could call it the profession, although that too I'm not that out about. Um, there's there's two nowadays there have been two established two different types of uh, kirovs: kirov rechaykum, kirov Um We're on two opposite ends of that fence, and they're usually pit against each other. Like, which is more important? I've been asked that a thousand times. Do you really think it's worth spending your time on Kirov Krovim when how many guys do you make Shomer Shabbos a year? You know, how many guys do you really get to become Shomer Shabbos a year versus Kirov Hokum? First of all, I don't really consider Kirov Krovim really Kirov in, in that sense. I think I still have to do Kirov to be Ote Kirov. I think Kirov, Krov, Kirov Krovim is, is more of a working with people than it is a Kirov. You know, I'll 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 be the first to admit it. I'm not trying necessarily, if, especially if I'm working with Kirov Kravim. I'm not trying to make anyone from. I hate to say that, but yeah, see, but I, I would term Kirov Kravim as. Imagine if you're in Great Adventures, right, and somebody walks up to you and says, "Hey, where's the Great American Scream Machine, the the uh, ride?" And you just tell them, "Stop, turn around. You're standing in front of it." Meaning. You're already right. here. Yeah, you're already right. here. All from right. a Kirov Krovim perspective is, is that you're already there. I have to just give you a turnaround of a view, a perspective that you actually have it all the whole time. It's not bringing you anywhere. Right. I, I, I agree and very much disagree, though, on one point, is that, you know, when they say off the derech, like you're assuming this kid was on at some point. What do you consider on the derech? And that's really weird. I mean, this is a topic for a different time. But on the derech just meant he was dressing and acting the part. That's all that meant. That's all it meant. And we see that nowadays. Because we have so many people that, that are dressing and acting the part and are not from. I'm talking about adults even. That are not from. It's a phenomenon that's going on. And when I'm called about those people, it's always the same thing. I think he just needs to have a talk with someone. Yeah, he started using his phone on Shabbos, but I think he just needs to have a talk with someone. Why? Why is everyone so comfortable with this guy that the, the alarms aren't necessarily being sounded? It's very simple. He's still dressing the part. And, and we've become so crazy twisted that that's from. It's culturally from. Culturally, he's part of our communities. He fits in. He's not saying anything wrong. He's not bothering anyone. So who cares? When we're trying to do Kirov, we're trying to bring someone closer to the Rabbinah Shalom. Not to Frumkite. 
There's a massive difference there. In Kirov Krovim, I think we're trying to make them become closer to Hashem. That's an inside work. That's some inside work. I've never seen anyone ever answer a question in Kirov Krovim and get their result. Ever, ever, ever. I've never once found it. A kid sitting there questioning God, questioning the Torah, questioning all these things. A kid that grew up from, that went through the system and is doing all that questioning and someone gives him all his answers. I've never once seen that kid change because of that. Because that's not the problem. Uh, that's how it's made. You and I that's both know, Yas, the reason why the Whereas, kids are asking those questions. It's not because he wants the answers, but because what? Wait, he's angry. He's angry and wants you to be angry. He's angry and wants you to be angry. There, there's, there's no, he's hurt. He's in pain. I'm saying that anger is coming from somewhere. He's afraid. He's angry. He's lost. He's been lied to. He's been probably traumatized in more than a few ways. Uh, what, what percentage, this is what I ask the people, what percentage do you think of kids that are on the streets, that are at risk, that are whatever you want to call it, what percentage of them do you think are, are happy doing what they're doing, are genuinely happy doing what they're doing out there? Because this is one of the biggest questions I get from parents, all the, or one of the biggest comments I get from parents all the time, specifically fathers. He was like, yeah, everything's fine now. They get, they get that high-pitched note. It's like, yeah, everything's fine now because we don't bother him. He's able to break Shabbos in his room. He's on his laptop watching the television on the laptop. And like they start, he's like, so everything's fine. Yeah, he's okay because he's having his fun. Like none of this is fun. It's not fun. A kid doesn't want to do any of this. None of this is fun. None of this is enjoyable. It might look that way. But the greatest example I ever had, and it's so cliched, I apologize, but for me, it just, it always keeps coming up in my head. The greatest example, two examples I've ever heard about Kirov Kravim, and then I'll pass it on to you to speak about what you do. But the greatest examples I, 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 I ever heard for Kirov Kravim is, number one, is the, the, the two fish in the, te- in the bowl. And one of them jumps out, and the other one looks at him, and he sees that he's dancing. And he's like, oh, that, that looks like fun. He looks like he's having an awesome time. I think I'm going to jump out with him. No, 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 no. Stay in the water, buddy. That's not fun. It looks like fun. I get it. It looks like fun. And maybe conceptually it sounds like fun. It's dancing. But at the end of the day, he's dying. He's dying. He wants back into that water, but his ego, his pride, his trauma, whatever it is, is not letting him back in. So you got to work through all those things in order to, to, get to, that, uh, to get to that place. The other example is given to a Freelander, one of my rabbis, where he said to me, you know, because the, these kids tend to be, or people, it's not just kids anymore. People tend to be very abrasive sometimes and very uh, disagreeable, if you will. And, and so you run into them, and they're going to be just downright nasty to you. And you're just sitting there trying to help, and they're going to be net because they know what you're trying to do. You know, back in the day, I remember when I was a kid, you know, they used to take the, the, not re- you know, the kid who went off the derrick or whatever it is, they used to take him for pizza, you know, pizza and bowling. And that was it. He was from the next day. Everything was fine. You know? Someone gave him a little bit of attention everything. That, that doesn't fly anymore. That's not happening anymore. Just because you can play pool, no one's impressed with you. Like, you could be the best pool-playing rabbi on earth, and no one's going to be impressed with you. They're just going to walk out on it. And so, so I, I said to him, I was like, you know, how, how do I really work on myself to get to that place? He's like, this is a, a matter of focus, Yassi. He's like, if you're walking down the street you know, on Coney Island Avenue and you see a four-year-old kid standing on the corner of Coney Island and Avenue L, and he's about to just walk into traffic, four-year-old kid, you're going to grab me and be like, a little Jewish, beautiful kid. You're like, hey, you're going to grab me. I'm like, well, what are you doing? It's dangerous. And the kid starts yelling. You're like, where's your mommy? He starts to cry. You're like, where's your mommy? And he starts to yell at you, scream at you, and kick you. Stranger danger is yelling. And you're like, no, no, no. Where's your? You're not going to be like, you know what? Forget this kid. All right? He doesn't want my help. Let him walk in the traffic. I'm done here. And you start walking away. You, you realize he doesn't, he's not, his mommy's nowhere around. You don't know where he is, but he's lost. Now, his mommy could be five feet from him, by the way. He just doesn't know that. So he feels lost. He's scared. Of course he's acting like that. No one's going to, the problem is that people assume that the average 16-year-old is 16. And the average 30-year-old is 30. But there's a four-year-old in there that is so lost they're so just lost that when you come up to help, they just view you as another threat. So for me, that's, that's, that, that, that's the avoid of Kirov Kraivim, as opposed to Kirov Rechaikim, which I'm also slightly involved in, but as opposed to Kirov Rechaikim, which is something very different. I'm going to pass that off to Good. you, actually. So um, i got to be honest. Um, it's, it's interesting because I don't know what kind of Kirov I do either. Um, 
meaning that I love Kirov Kroivim. I think that I've built my craft um, more within Kirov Kroivim, but I always did it from a Kirov Rechokim standpoint. You know, I, I, I just, <laughs> you know, every, in, in my old yeshiva, where most boys went to religious places, you know, every once in a while in Ruachim, we'd have somebody who, who was like completely from a public school background or what have you. But I always felt like I'm going to have to do this from the beginning. I'm going to have to start this out from scratch. And I'm going to teach them like the way that the Ramchal says in Derech Hashem, the open of the Derech Hashem, Yossi, to me, is such a breath of fresh air. Yep. The Ramchal in the beginning of Derech Hashem says, if you were taught a lot of different things about um, many different subjects, but just a little bit here, a little bit there, you're going to be very confused. He calls it like a garden that's completely stuff planted in no kind of order whatsoever. And I know that I was brought up that way and said the yeshivas that I went to, nothing at the yeshivas that I went to, but we would talk a little bit about what Bikurim is. We talked a little about what Demai is. We talked a little bit about Shnaya and We talked a little bit about Shabbos. We talked a little bit about Shavuos, a little bit about everything, but... There wasn't one subject that we got to the core. There was just everything that we had a little bit on. It's like somebody having a 12-subject notebook and only having written three lines in each of the subjects and never having a quality or never having a reality and certainly not a clarity in what it is that those subjects are. The Ramchal says, if you want to understand something, you have to start from the beginning and have to take it to the end and you'll get clarity. It sounds so simple, but incredibly, we don't have that. So the way that I teach, the way that I come yeah. across to people is that I look at them and I feel that whether you started from a place of Krovim where you went to yeshiva or whether you didn't, to me it makes no difference. I know that you didn't get the clarity of what God and you, your relationship are meant to be. I know you didn't get it from point A all the way until point Z. And so therefore, and for our English audience, point I Z. And so, therefore, we're going to have to give it to you from the beginning. And so, from my old <laughs> yeshiva, that's what I did. And guys were listening. Guys were appreciating the fact that we would go into subjects and concepts and ideas of just starting from the beginning and then going through it. I don't mean... It's so, it's just, so true. I, it's so true. I, 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 you know, I, I, I yeah. just want to point... I, I don't mean... See, people right now may think the beginning, like from, from the story of Adam, which, to tell the truth, that is part of the beginning. But I don't mean historically. I don't mean chronologically. Um, I mean just the thought process of building the fact that there's a relationship between you and God beginning from there. So once you have that as your repertoire, you're going to have certain things that you need to know. You need to know proofs. Um, yes, I got to give a shout out to somebody who I never met and somebody who has no idea that I exist, Rabbi Mechanic. Um, I didn't believe that that was his name. What? Ari... I totally forgot. I totally forgot. I'm so sorry. We're going to do it here on the podcast. No. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. I'm going to do this live. I have regards for you from Rabbi Mechanic. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> Are you ready for this? What this What are you talking about? For everybody listening, this is okay. not like pre- Let me explain. What are you Give saying? Give me one second. <laughs> this is not pre- Let me explain. <clears throat> So a few weeks ago, I was on a uh, I was on a Shabbaton. I was on a Shabbaton somewhere, and I I uh, I had to go at the end without my wife because of uh, a lot of different things, COVID, and you know, I, was, so I had to go by myself. I was in New York, and I show up, and I see a mechanic there, and I know you're a big fan of his, and I also happen to be a very very big fan. So I go over to him, and I'm like, Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi. And we're sitting there, we're talking, we're schmoozing, schmoozing. So there was different speech going on, so we had nothing to do right then. Schmoozing, schmoozing, schmoozing. As I'm looking around, I realize I'm like, hang on a second, I'm like. Rabbi Mechanic, are you here without your family? And he's like, are you here without your family? I said, yeah. He's like, we're going to sit together. <laughs> we were so happy. So we're sitting there, and he's like, of course I know you. You and Ari. He's like, tell Ari I love his stuff. I was like, oh, I totally, totally forgot to, uh, to tell you. I wow. knew I knew you would be. Uh, you, you, Thank you uh, for that. Ooh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, Rabbi Mechanic is a yeah, good friend see, of mine. That's like, <laughs> yeah. Big shout out to Rabbi Beautiful. Mechanic, my seatmate. At the yes. thing. He is amazing. Do you know his story? I don't know his story. At we all. can't go into it right now, but I'm telling you right now, when I'm in LA, you, we have to sit down and just talk about his life story. Yes, it he, is but unreal. all I would have said to him if I was sitting next to him is one thing. 
Have you ever been in a car that broke down with a few friends and everybody just looked at you and said, get to it? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's got to come with the territory. Um, but, But listen to this. By the way, by the way, he's very funny and, and he, he hits back. He'll come for you. You ask him that and be like, oh, that's the first time I ever heard that. I don't know. Last time I heard that was, I don't know, around uh, the times the Persians were running the world and Shushan. Good. <laughs> he good. will come after you. Yeah, that, that, yes, you really, you just made my day because, you know, to know that somebody you looked up to is now appreciating what you do, that's like the greatest compliment ever. Um, and my love language is words of uh, words of approbation of it. So there you go. That's just amazing to me. So, um, yes, he came. Yeah. No, well, obviously, this is me just begging people to tell me that they like what I do. So, um, the incredible thing that he did for me without him knowing is that he showed up to Yeshiva Farakwe when I was in first year base medrash, and he gave uh, proofs of or evidence of God's existence class, um, and I wasn't there. I, I was I, I was in the base measures learning. You know, this was a side thing. To, I think for like the twelfth grade, but somebody got a recording and gave it to me, and I said to myself, "That's the clarity that I need to give over to humanity." That I listened to it. Yes, I re-listened to it. I re-listened to it, and it was something that gave me such a push to say that this is what you didn't need. And like what you were saying is that the kid feels confused. He doesn't know where he is. Of course he does. Our relationship to Hashem is something that has to be built from such a very specific perspective of getting it right. And so going to Kirov. So I started out more in Kirov Krovim, my old yeshiva. Derech, I would say, was in our Sameach was 50-50. We had a lot of kids coming from more of a public school background. Uh, very many of them having really no background whatsoever. Um, I enjoy Kirov Krovim more. But I feel that effectiveness, you can be more effective with the time spent on Kirov Rechokim, which is fascinating. Kirov Krovim is going to take a lot of time, yes? It's, right. it's constantly putting on band-aids and band-aids and band-aids. Right. Kirov Rechokim, <clears throat> uh, they're coming to you from an honest place. They haven't been burnt. They're not upset about anything. They're just curious and they want to know what's it about and it's like giving them a new toy to play with and when these concepts come and it rolls around in their mind they say wow that's really really beautiful and if they ask and this Yossi is really the incredible part of the difference from what you said before you can give all the answers to a cure of Krovim kid and still you didn't do much for him you can give all the answers to a cure of Rechokim yid and then he'll just sit there and say Rabbi, you've changed my life. Like, like, you know, you've given me meaning. Now, does that mean, though, he's going to go and practice? And here's the flip. Here's the really interesting part. The Kirov Rechokim guy, I find, will take it. And then he'll say, so it's about relationships. So I'll relate how I want to relate. And for him to then go to do tefillin steadily, yes, that is a large ravine that's a huge yawning abyss that he has to cross over whereas the cure of Krovim guy if you told him something then he's good to get back into tefillin then he's good to get back into something like a little bit quicker this is what i've seen what what do you think so so i i I, let let me tell you how many points i disagree with you on So <clears throat> I think a lot of it depends on time and place. If you're dealing in Israel, I think the Rechokim guy is going to put on the film. I'm not about Israel. The Krovim guy. Um, and again, yeah. I hate to make – okay, I'm just saying. And I hate to make that that uh, you know that divide here. But I think it's important for one reason. So one guy who is a very big yeah, – very big, but I'm saying he, he's very involved in Kira Rechokim um, in a professional sense um, was really hammering me because he was trying to get me to, to work somewhere. And it was back in the day. And he said, why are you going to waste time for Kirov Kraven? Why are you going to waste time with Kirov Kraven? And so now, first of all, this is after I had spoken already to Rabbi Berkowitz, who is definitely uh, uh, more leaning towards his Talmudim doing Kirov Rechaikim, as, as far as the classical Kirov Rechaikim would go, um, as far as it, professionally, if you're going to go into Kirov. And, and, but he told me to, to do Kirov Kraven. Um, so I, I'm sitting there debating with this guy, and, well, debating with him, but you know, he asked me, he said, he said, what are you going to waste your time for? He was... He got me a little bit upset, if I'm going to be totally frank and 
vulnerably honest over here. He really upset me with the way he was talking about it. And I was already like not only working it, but practically running his soda at that point. And, and it, it was the wrong time to, uh, to, to be talking about my guys like that. I, I don't know why I took it to such offense, but I got really angry. Like I'm trying to remember the emotion right now, and I can't even bring it up because I don't think it would get me angry anymore. But back then, it really got me upset that he was talking like that. So he said, he's like, you do realize, and he, he was actually English, so I'm going to do the, but he said, you do realize, right, I sent out, right, 60,000 emails, this week about Shamir Shabbos, that's 120,000 eyes on my emails. I'm like, w- w- just stop. Just stop. First of all, you sent me that email. It's in my spam. No, let's just, okay, that's number one. Second of all, this numbers game is insanity in my opinion. Complete and absolute insanity. The reason being, and, and I'm about to Ben Shapiro this like crazy. You ready for this? The reason being that do you have any idea the number of my students the number of my students, of not not in the yeshiva here, but I'm saying uh, back then in, in Yesod, the number of Kirov Kravim guys that I was working with, off the Derek kids I was working with, you have any idea the percentage of them whose parents are Bali Chuva? Whose parents were Makarv through this guy? And then left to blow in the wind? So they, they didn't have any adracha, they didn't have any any uh, any anything, and they, now I'm not saying every Bali Chuva. <laughs> Kid goes off the dark, but I'm saying they have a very, it, it's something we have to say openly. They have a very high percentage of their kids going off the dark. So how long do we consider a kid off the dark or from? He's one generation in. He's barely one generation in. His parents became from in their 30s. I, I, this kid is considered a, a, a from kid because he went to the right school. At the end of the day, this kid is just, as, he, he, it's Kirov Rechaikim. He has no connection to anything. His parents were not representing a Jewish home in its classical sense in a lot of ways at home. They were, they were representing a lot of pressure and a lot of a lot of. So at the end of the day, all those numbers that you keep quoting, saying not you, I'm saying this guy keeps quoting and saying that like those were all the people he got to be Shemesh Shabbos. I know how many there are because I keep working with our kids. If you guys stop doing, not you, if that him I'm saying if those guys stop doing care of the way that they're doing, like the way they're doing it, I'd be out of business. 000 people came through the doors of our center right. in the last month alone. 125 million right. have looked right. at Posa. I hate the numbers, yes. I hate them, I hate them, I hate now, them. Now, we both know that there are different reasons. I, 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 we both know that there are different reasons they're playing number games, and it's, it's beyond us for we right now. Be. But my, my point is, is that if you're going to play that number game, it could be put back very, very, very quickly. Now, now... You know, everyone's gonna be like, "What? No, Russia Shiva's kids go off to there?" Yes, of course they do. I'm not saying not, but but there is a a uh, a, a, a simultaneous happening in history of a Kirov movement, and a few years later, a massive issue with kids going off at a derech. Also, so although it was always happening, that's true. Kids were always going off at a derech. There was a very big influx of it. A few years after these guys were factory done uh, a Kirov and then and then sent back to live wherever and they didn't have that direct connection, they didn't have that Rebbe, they didn't have that, you know. I find it the other way also though, and I should mention just just for you know some uh, uh, just to clarify here, I have found um, people who have become from people who are Bali Chuva who kept the road of following one Rebbe all the way through, having that one Rebbe guide them, having that one Rebbe, and really infusing themselves in a from community, really putting themselves into a from community, and really, and laying off the pressure on their kids to fit in. I found them to be some of the most amazing parents with some of the most open-minded, just wise children, because these kids start to get ideas from so many different places, and none of it is evil. The fact that you didn't grow up from, it's not evil. The fact that you're a balachuv, it's not evil. But when you when you treat it at home that you're embarrassed about your past or you're embarrassed about the kid's gonna pick that up. So it's not a chinuk thing. I'm just saying that like the the whole numbers and verses things. Uh, just back really quick, I'm gonna pass it back to you. But back really quick to something that you just said about um, Kirov Hokem being uh, being you know, Kirov Krovim also being you know this education of what he called. So first of all, no one like. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I, I, I'm not a little kid teacher. Like, I, I've realized I love people. I have this one love of people who, who love what they do. You know that, that hater Rebbe? That, like, he was born to be a hater Rebbe. I remember one of my, hater, uh, my, one of my kids, hater Rebbe, in Israel, he had a whole machsan with suitcases on top of suitcases on top of suitcases of every single month of the year 
how he would redecorate wow. the entire classroom. But it was like five suitcases per month. Like, like th this guy lived and breathed teaching kids. There, there was nothing. I can never do that. I have no. So it's that guy's problem, not mine. But little kids, you know, most people, most adults, most of my teenagers, they have a third grade education of Amuna. They have a third grade education of, 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 of just about everything. They really don't know anything. They have no idea to connect to Hashem. Right? Robert Berkowitz's line, I don't know if he said this last time, Robert Berkowitz's line of if the Rambam was alive today, he would add an animamin and it would be animamin by Muna Shlema that Hashem loves me. Right? It would, it, it's, it's 100%. Kids don't know that. They only know to be afraid of him. They only know that if you cross Hashem, this is. No, I think that's Rechaikim, Kravim. I think it's everybody. Certain Yadiyas, the fact that we have answers to things. The fact that, that there was a Rambam, that there was well, the a, Am a Chacham Rabbi Victor Miller, that there was a Rabbi Mechanic is so important. Right, right. And we have to believe in that. It's when we stop believing in that, that's when kids go wrong. It's when we start behaving like, don't look outside. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. Right? Because we, we really do believe, so many adults really do believe that, that the outside world does have something better than us. That they are smarter than us. That they are wiser than us. But they're not. We have so much more than them. And I think that applies to, I don't care if a kid's even being Shemar Shavas, kosher. I don't care if a kid's learning. Rav Asher, Rav Asher Rubenstein in my, in my interview Rav for Tariq Semcha, Rav Asher Rubenstein said to me, he said, Yassi, one thing I want to know. Do you believe in the Rabbi Nishal? And I was like, this is a regular yeshiva. I was thinking it's a real yeshiva of three Siddharm, full learning. I'm, I'm a yeshiva guy. What are you talking about? I'm like, of course I believe in, in the Rabbi Nishal. Never forget this. Rav Asher said, no, you don't, but you will. And he hung up the phone on me. And I called Avi after because Avi was there before me. I called Avi after, I'm like, Avi, I, I don't know if I got in. He's like, what happened? I told him, he's like, yeah, you're in. I'm like, okay. Right, but that, that's so true. He was right. He was so right. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I had a third grader's education of what it meant to believe in the Ramana Shalom. So for me... I, I agree on all those points that, that, that you know, the, what, the things that we miss teaching kids is so imperative, and that's, that's really key of later, whether it's Kroivim or Rechaikim. We're going to get right back into our episode in a minute, but Yossi, I want to talk about our sponsor. I want our two cents Yidden, because now that we're a few episodes in, Yas, there's an army of... Yidden, listening to this. And Yas, how cool would it be if Two Cents Podcast sponsored a saving from That's this exactly podcast? exactly what I was just thinking. Wouldn't that be amazing? Incredible. So, it's Yoss. exactly what I was just thinking. They, they, uh, what we could do is, is guys, everyone out there right now, what I want to do is from this episode, when you donate, if there's anywhere to put in a, uh, a little note over there on saveaworld.org, that's saveaworld.org. If there's any way to put a little note in over there, we want from this episode, I want to save one Jewish family that is literally saving them from captivity. This is a modern day pidyon shvuyin for real. This is the real deal. You've got ready met uh, Rav Nassano on uh, one of our previous episodes, and now it's time to uh, to meet him again because he has some amazing, amazing news. Bring him on. So thank you so much for having me on. I'm going to make this quick. It's really exciting that you, Ari and Rabiasi, mentioned the fact that you guys are trying to help rescue a Jewish woman and, and, and child and their children because right now, as we're speaking, we know that we have eight cases that are ongoing, and these are people that were rescued and need to be rescued. And the course is great. I mentioned it's over $18,000 to, to rescue a Jewish woman and her children. And it takes care of everything A to Z. It's really an ongoing mitzvah. And remember, if you can't give all the $18,000, it's not easy. Every little bit counts. It's all for Meister. So right now, as you're watching this or listening to this, there are people that need to be rescued. And you're helping to save Jewish women and children. You're literally saving lives. If you feel the pity Shulim is a story from years ago, they could save so many years ago. No, it happens today. People's lives are in danger and you can save them. So I want to thank everyone here, the Two Cents listeners. Like Ariam Yossi said, saveaworld.org, S-A-V-E-A world.org or 718-633-2340 and help Yad Lachem save lives. Thank you so much. Guys, that's it. You heard it right there, and that is the main. That is the main point. Where Rav Nasanal said they have eight. We're going to bring that number down to seven with this 
episode right now. That is eight families stuck in captivity in Arab villages. These are eight Jewish families. We're going to save them right now. We're bringing that number down with this episode. And now we're going to save them back to our episode. Y'all see, I just want to say from our listeners and from the numbers I've been seeing, you know, I want people to give as much as they can, but also give what you can. Don't think that right. if all you have is $18, that give it. Give it. Because, Baruch Hashem, right. we've had thousands and thousands of people listening. And, if, Yassi, we can save all eight. We can, we, we can shut the file on all eight with this. It's an incredible power we have. I'm so excited. But, all right, yes, let's get right back into our episode of Kirov. And here we go. I want to talk not so much about, like, okay, we, we have our understanding. I, I want to talk about the biggest problem that I'm facing today. I would love to hear your opinion on it. You know, everybody today is just agree to disagree. And Rabbi, everything you said, I respect. And everything you said makes perfect sense. And I love that. But because there's this underlying factor, the world over, which is that... Your opinion can be your opinion, and you can say what matters, and then I can say what matters. And therefore, that's created this almost iron wall around people today that they're not allowing for truth to penetrate all the way through. There's this, you can give certain people such brilliance, and they know it's brilliant, and they get emotional with you, and they love it, but then taking it to the next level and then applying it to their own life, they don't have the courage to live up to the truth that they know has been given to them. Time and time again, we find that between so many people. Kirov Rechokim, Kirov Krovim, like you said, blurring the lines of Kirov is a name this one because you and I both knew coming into this. There's no difference. Yidin are Yidin and just give them truth. But the unfortunate reality is, is that people are so stuck within a certain script or a certain narrative that they have that although they know what you're saying is true and they hear it and it's unbelievable, Yes, what is it? Is it that they're not thinking? Is it, you know, people like to blame social media a lot. Maybe, I, but, but, but just, just, just bet some. How do we get that? How do we get that final point <clears throat> home of you heard it out. I've been living inside your community now long enough. I've been giving you the reality of everything that is, and you've been coming to this room. You've been listening to it. We've partied together. We've cried together. We've learned together. We've loved each other so much as community members can with each other. But why aren't you then demanding of yourself greatness? Yes, when Rev Berkowitz told us the goods, his MS, I demanded of myself greatness. I, I demand. I'm like, I can't. I can't be smart. I have to have that. Why aren't people feeling that demand of themselves? Where is it, Yas? Uh, I, so, first of all, I think, I think we're to blame also. I, I, I think whoever's delivering is also to blame. If they don't believe us, it's not because our argument isn't strong enough. It's because we're not being strong enough. It's because they don't see it on us. Oh, we're not true enough. So right. I, I we're not genuine that. enough. We're not genuine enough. They see us, they see us, they see us just not being genuine enough. And... And they're like, okay, so that your opinion is just as important as mine. No, no. My opinion is more important than yours, and I'll tell you why. Because it's not my opinion. My opinion is the opinion of my Rebbe, of my parents, and the people that came before them compiled with my personality yes, but don't and just my stop. ideas. And the people who came before them, and the people who came your before opinion. them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your opinion was formed this morning on Instagram. So I, I, I don't think, you know, uh, uh, our opinions are the same. I really don't. I, I dedicated my life to an opinion. I, I did. I dedicated my life to sit down every single day and read ancient Aramaic texts and, 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 and have to learn a whole other language, two, so that, three, if you include Aramaic, which I don't speak, but three, just so that, and, and to read it, by the way, in its original text so that I don't miss anything. You, you you scroll through Google on your way over here. I know all your answers because I Googled the same thing that you did. You can't be an internet atheist. You can't be an internet opinionist. It, it's just, it doesn't exist. But because everyone can have an opinion now, because everyone is worthwhile to have an opinion now in their opinion. So 
they come and your opinion just becomes the same to them unless they see something different. I think the reason why Rabbi Berkowitz's call to action for me was so big is that I looked at him and there wasn't an ounce of him that wasn't that. that wasn't telling the truth there. There wasn't one ounce of him that was not telling the truth there. It was it was Moshe Tyra Misenai was coming out of his mouth when he spoke about these things. And one of the ways that you could tell that, by the way, is that if you ever seen me give a halacha share, I'm I'm a lot more toned down. I'm giving over halacha. I'm giving over, right? I'm just giving you information here. And I'm, right, if you see me give a hashkafa share on my opinions, especially, or I'm trying to reenact a chumash share or something like that, it's, more, it's, it's gonna be, you can see a completely different person. Robert Berkowitz is Robert Berkowitz all the way through. It never changes. He is just as excited talking about, about you know, Basar v'chalav and 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 uh, and Mishpat as he is going all the way through to talking about nowadays politics and so on. He's not getting any more or less excited. It, it's MS Lamitai to him all the way through. And to me, that that was that was just just one example of like how just real, just how how real it was. And I think I think it does. I think a lot of it falls into us. But like I always say to my guys, I'm like you know. Just realize something about questions. And there's two things we need to know about people's questions. And I think anyone going into Kirov, you know, you can start listening now. <laughs> um, th- this, is, this is so super important, in, in my opinion. T- two things to really know about people's questions. Number one, I've never once, never once, I'll never forget, it's a, it's a famous debate. Um, you can find it somewhere. I think it was on a radio show. It was Tuvia Singer and some Jews for Jesus guy. And they were debating over the... This guy, I felt bad. Like, there's that little yeshiva kid in me that kind of wants the rabbi to lose. You know, that I want, you know, I want to, because we've been saying for so many years, the guy am a such, ah, there's such mishiganism what they believe in. It's such mishigas, it's just a sim. Like, I wanted, I, there's a sick part of me that always wants the rabbi to lose these debates. I'm not going to stop believing because of it, same way I'm about to prove that point, but I just, so, Toby Singer goes in with this guy, and he, Ari, it, it's not, it wasn't fair. It was honestly, it was Muhammad Ali wow. against a paraplegic. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was, there was nothing, the guy didn't pick up his hands to defend himself. He, Tibia Singer just walked up to him, just took him by his shirt out of his chair and just started just, <laughs> just wailing on him. And nothing, the guy had nothing to the point that the guy said, I'm not going to say the exact example because it's, it, you know, it's a little off color, but the guy said a song that was once out there, a non-Jewish song, and he said how a rapper later on took that the chorus of that song and put it to his song to really, instead of meaning a lost love, it meant a lost or dead homies, and he said that. <laughs> it's like, it's not, so, so he was like, you see how something can mean one thing at one point, and then people can interpret it and translate it in any way that they feel about it later, and there's dead quiet, just dead quiet. And Toby Singer goes, I'm sorry, I just... Are you, are you saying that, that people, that the Christians took the Bible and just translated it any way they wanted, irregardless of how God or anyone else meant it, and to fit their needs? He's like, what? Exactly he didn't say that, yes. And he's like, oh, okay, because that, that should have been, been my point. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. Is today backwards day? <laughs> and I was sitting here listening to this, I'm like, what just happened? So Do I live in bizarro going, universe? The radio sh- <laughs> the I think it was a radio show host or whoever it was said at the end he's like, "Well, now it was a Christian show." They go, "Well, we're going to have to we're going to have to say, you know, that round definitely goes to Rabbi Tuvia. So, you know, guys, we're going to have to pick this up, you know, maybe in a couple months from now, but we'll see you later. And now for music, Jesus, take the wheel." And they just switched. I'm like, "No!" No, the Galach was thrown down. <laughs> what happened? The Galach lost. The Galach lost. Everyone has to become Jewish now. That's how that works. No one cared. No one cared. You have to understand something. After every debate in the history of man, everyone has gone home to do what they do. The rabbi, irregardless of whether he lost or not, went home to Davimarev. The priest went home to wherever it is they live. The, the atheist went home and didn't believe in dinner. I don't know what it was, but, but at the end of the day, they all went home to do their thing. No one changed. No one changed. That's number one that you have to understand about questions. You can answer questions from here to Thursday. 
if you're not showing them actively something different, it's not gonna change. Number two is that study I always quote that I've never looked up, so it might not be accurate. The study of, um, of the, the people that were told that they're terminally ill by accident, it's not on purpose, it's not twisted, but they were told that they were terminally ill and they're gonna die. And then they were called back and said, it was a mistake, you're not terminally ill, you're not gonna die. This was not on purpose, but apparently it happens. The most common, psychologists noticed this, that the most common reaction to that was, you would think joy, relief. You know, you were called back and told that you were gonna live a long life and it was a misdiagnosis and everything's good. The most common reaction to it, it depends how long really the, the, they thought that they were gonna die for, but whatever. The most common reaction to that was depression. Wow. And psychologists were boggled by it. They're like, what does that mean, how? And they said it was because when a person lives eats and breathes one thing, if it becomes their identity, the whole point of living at that point is the fact that they're dying. And you take that away, they're not left with joy. They're left empty. And an empty person is a depressed person. I've seen so many people get their answers so quickly, but if they've been holding on to those questions for years, they based their life off of those questions, it became so important to them, and then you just hand them an answer, they're, they're, they're not gonna become from off of that. That's not gonna happen. They're gonna probably become depressed because they've been living a lie, but they're still not gonna agree with you. I, I, I avoid these things at all costs. I always say, come to my house for a shop. So I. After you're sitting there eating and, and hanging out, no yeah. one ends up talking about that too yeah, much. I, I, I mean, look, you know, the cure of model that you find in the world is to really um, try to get guys, girls in college aged, um, university, et cetera, you know, over there uh, and get them off, you know, get them to go to trips, um, you know, get them to hang out with the rabbi, get to have a connection to the rabbi. And that's uh, why. Um, uh, yeah, so, that's so why the experience you know, so like you know that's that's that and it's really and Baruch Hashem you know it's worked the, for a lot a lot of people you know a lot of good stories from that um, but I think even after the trips and even after all the answers like when I'd asked you originally what gets people to change I think that you knocked it, the nail on the head which is that you have to be genuine uh, you have to be real and so for anybody who wants to go into Kirov um you, you really do have to be real. And this really goes back to the first thing we were discussing, where you were saying, yes, that everybody is in the cure. What that really means is, is that everybody just needs to be genuine. You know, everybody has to just, you know, if you want your children exactly. to know that they belong to a religion that is from an infinite God, so then you have to be genuine um, as far as that goes as well. And it's really that genuine take. Rev Berkowitz would always say to us that it's not the cool rabbi, it's not the quick-talking salesman rabbi, it's not the comedian rabbi who's the one who's going to be Makar of people. And I thought, oh, no, so then I'm out of a job, you know? <laughs> he said, he said it's, it's the one who's going to be genuine. You find time. And again, it's the one um, who is just living and breathing what it is that he says. And so, really, I think, Yas, um, that the reason why we have such a, a burst of... Kiruv happening, Kroivim, Rechokim, but that's really the call of the day um, as far as what Yidin are really up against, to have clarity, to be able to give it over. I think the reason why it happened in our generation, we don't find, you know, when we were brought up, yes, when Kiruv wasn't really a thing when we were kids, if there was a story about a guy who left the religion, so a lot of times the end of that story was is that, and that Nishkit died, <laughs> you know? That was it. They sat in the rice Korea. He called himself Nicholas now or something. They found like a different thing. And like Nicholas Cage, there was, you know, he just had a terrible end. And that's all, that's all there is to it. You know, we, we, we didn't, I'm saying, but now the stories have changed and the narrative isn't that the guy comes back and he sees Shabbos candles being lit in somewhere. And I think the reason why Hashem made it, this is my own humble, uh, moronic opinion, but I think there's truth to it, is that Hashem put us into a generation where he said, you know, it's funny. So many people, like you said, yes, it's not that they were off the derech, they were never on the derech. So many people inside the religious world are not on the derech even initially. They're only going through the motions. And guess what they're missing? They're missing honesty inside their life. They're missing being genuine with Hashem. That's what they're missing. And what, what the Holy. people who are Kirv, the Rechaikim were out there and the Kravim, all of those people who are far, what they needed to be introduced to something genuine or else it won't work. So really Hashem was saying that what needs to be brought to our generation is really just genuine living on all ends. 
genuine living for the people who are practicing from kites but aren't religious on the inside. Genuine living to show those who are far and out and away that this is what it's about so that they'll get the real feel from what it means to have a Torah that was sent from Moshe Rabbeinu down to us today. To have the genuine Torah process. I think, yes, that's the answer. I, I think that the answer all around, like what you were saying, but the answer all around for everybody on all sides of the mechitza, for everybody on all sides of their religious practices, if there's something that's genuine, that's going to demand truth, that's going to demand us to have to look at ourselves in an honest and in more of a beautiful way. Right. You know? I think I think also, <clears throat> I think also, I, I, and I didn't misspeak, but I just want to cover my, my bases here. I'm sure I'm going to get an email or something about a guy who was like, actually, I became religious because I changed my whole life around because someone gave me the right answers. I'm sure you're out there. I, I am. You know, I'm sure you're out there. I don't believe you because I think you believe that. I think if that person would have given you those answers in a very condescending tone, in a very nasty tone, and in a very ugly way, you wouldn't have accepted those answers and you would have, you would have went about your own, uh, your own business. I think, I think it was the genuineness of that person still. The answers might have been right, but you should know, Rabbi Mechanic, by the way, goes around and anyone who's out there, get him, get him, because I think he's saving lives. I truly believe this man is saving lives left and right with this. He goes to Yeshiva, Beis Yaakov, and the like caliber schools, high schools, and he explains to them why there's a God. So many of these kids are quietly holding these questions in, afraid of asking, and he goes in and he just opens it all up. He opens it all up and he speaks about it openly, and he proves without any, without a doubt, he proves that it's all real and it's all this. And when you give that to a kid, that we don't feel inferior to, to the guy anymore, that, 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 that we're not being made fun of by the atheist bullies anymore, that we're not, when you give that to a kid, he feels on top of the world. You know, I, I like to I, – I always tell people that, like, um, you know, you, you, if you were going to ask someone, who, who's the biggest Makarov nowadays, right, in, in that world? Who's the biggest Makarov nowadays? In my opinion, and, and, and I'm saying this half-jokingly but half very seriously, in my opinion, Ben Shapiro and Yishai Rebo are the two biggest Makarov. So I told you Yishai Rebo because – And I believe because that Rabbi because Rose ben told, Shapiro told that to me. Shua Rose told that to me, and I think it's 100% true, with, at least with Yishai Rebo, yeah. He made it. He made it okay to be from. He made it okay to. to he made beautiful music. I'm saying, but he made it okay. And then Ben Shapiro made it okay to to, to logically say and wear yarmulke in public and say to, logically on the highest standing of logic, on the highest standing of universities, and the highest standing of these things to say that there is a rabbinic shalom and he created the world and as a religious doer and so on and so forth. And we don't have to be embarrassed about what we believe anymore. But most kids are walking around embarrassed of what they believe. They try to half explain it to to you know to people, half do this right. When these kids go off in the dark and they want to go somewhere, what's the first thing they do? They always take off their yarmulke. Why do they take off their yarmulke? Don't ever think about that because they don't want anyone to know that they're Jewish. What's the problem? Well, go do those things and be Jewish. So first of all, I believe that there's a beautiful part to it, which is that you they don't too. want to make a Chal Hashem. They don't. It's, there's a it, big part inside It's a very that's genuine move. That's number one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I believe that. I truly believe that. Number two, number two, they don't think the Goyim are going to take them seriously if they're wearing a yarmulke. The game that they're trying to schmooze with or talk with or anything, they're not going to take them seriously if they're wearing a yarmulke. Why? Because if you're wearing a yarmulke, you're an archaic fool. You, you don't have anything to you. You're a loser. They, they, they believe that. They believe that not just because we don't party the same way as them. That's not why. Because they believe our logic won't stand up to theirs. They believe that there's some level of, of, of blind belief over here. And there isn't. And if we could just teach that to kids openly and honestly, everyone's so afraid that we're giving them ideas to, to ask too many questions. Good, so don't give them the ideas. Let them ask the questions when they're in their 20s. See yeah, how yeah. well that works out. You know, there's, there's been so much, you know, there's been so much of, um, yeah, yes, it's interesting. There's been so much of a, of a revolution of what they like to call neo-Hasidism. Um, right? You know, just, just uh, yep. you know, and, oh, and yeah. everything has its beauty. Everything has... You know, the things that could use maybe a little bit more improvement. But I think it speaks volume to the Ishai Rebo um, concept or point, which is that religion is real. People feel real. 
I'm not even talking about Jews in particular. I'm talking about the world. That everybody, because everybody has some kind of a soul. Everybody has some kind of a soul. You know, yes, I read recently from um, actually a a Christian pastor um, who wrote, he wrote like the Hagdama. He wrote the opening to a different book. And so, you know, it was a book about something else, but this guy wrote the Hagdama. And he was talking about, what? The Havdal. And he wrote it and he wrote it with pig blood. He wrote it. <laughs> um, and, 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 and no, but what he wrote over there is, is that his family, let's just say his family's name were, were, were the, I don't know, were the Franks. Let's say his last name was uh, Frank. So, um, so he said that I grew up and literally over the door, it said the Franks, the atheists. His, his parents were proud atheists. He said, my parents kept a metal garbage can next to our house that we would burn books. Like, he was brought up, like, taking any kind of religious wow. biblical material that would come in the mail or Jehovah Witnesses, put them right in there. That, that's what he said. Like, they, just, you know, they would light it up. He said, and I believed, and I was brought up with this feeling of there really isn't anything out there. He said, I went to college, and um, I heard about this thing called prayer, and that will lead him to become a Christian. But ultimately, he, sell, he said, like, I felt that if you only start to look, that there is something called religion that comes to you. That's, that's a soul. Now, we can have a different discussion about Goyim having souls, yes or no, how, how it goes. Lamaisa de Machlokas and Sanhedrin between Reb Lazar <clears throat> and uh, Reb Lazar and Reb right. Shimna, if I remember correctly, is that they do have an Olam Haba, meaning that yeah. if the Goyim do have an Olam Haba, Chassidi right. Umos Olam, the righteous of the world, but ultimately it must mean that they have a soul right. in order to be able to have that reality. So everybody right. has this feeling. Hashem is there and Hashem is leaning out to the world and is putting uh, himself out there. And then people pick up those vibes from God in different ways. Neo Hasidus being one of them. Um, Rav Nachman being another. Um, where people are trying to break into clarity. Where people are trying to break into what does my neshama, mm-hmm. what does my soul speak to? And we're finding many different avenues that people are trying to go and to find it in. And I think that's wonderful. Shivan Panam La Torah, you know, 70 faces to Torah. And um, I think that another reality of Kirov is the fact that if you're not successful with somebody in your Kirov, it doesn't mean that that person is a lost case. It just means that the Torah you're speaking doesn't speak to his soul. And there's a very strong point in that. Yes, a lot of times yeah. Kirov rabbis take things very personally and they feel that people are lost cases. And a lot of times they don't want to pass them off to somebody else. Mm. A lot of times they feel, well, I'm the greatest Rebbe, and so therefore if I didn't connect, and obviously because I'm Maish Rabbeinu. I think that a Kirov rabbi has to take himself out of it and not be so serious. I think that a person, Mamish, has to have the line of the joker if he wants to be successful. That's true. Why are you so serious? You're giving over Hashem's Torah. Don't take anything personally that they say, and don't take anything personally if they don't roll with it. People, their nishamot, they're ready to come back to Hashem, but the path that they're ready to go and take is something that speaks very specific to the individuals of today. Look, I totally agree to that, but let's not negate, though, the the, the pressure that a lot of these guys are under. You know, a, a um, you know, you know, uh, Dave, Dave Stern, Dave Stern, one time uh, told me one of the hardest parts of being a sniper is the waiting. It's like I'm like really the training to this. And he's like the waiting. The waiting is the, the waiting is a killer. No, Dave, right? you're the it's, killer. It's a lot of times you know when someone doesn't listen to you, someone doesn't hear. What? I so okay. We'll talk about that off camera. But yeah, I was like I was like you know the 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 a lot of times someone doesn't take it. Someone doesn't take to it. You can't take that personally. You just gotta wait. And the waiting is the hardest part. The waiting is the, I'm telling you, from addictions to Kirov to everything, the waiting, the waiting game is the killer. You know how cops always talk about stakeouts? They're like, this is the hardest part. I'm like, how is that the hardest? You just got shot at eight minutes ago. How is this the hardest part? Just just sitting there and waiting and not knowing and the waiting and the waiting and the waiting. But we can't take away, there's a lot of pressure on these guys, you know, to that when that trip comes up in January, that they have a full bus being sent from their community of people going. So if they're getting it's there's a lot of pressure put on them and I just don't think it's right. 
You know, yeah, there has to be some sort of accountability or people will do nothing. I get that. But I think the accountability that's being done in, in, in Kiev right now might not be the most effective. Yep. I don't have a better solution, so I'm going to keep my mouth closed after that statement. But I'm just saying, I just don't think it, it's it, it's that effective. These guys get, get and girls, women, they, there's a lot of pressure on them to to provide, to be sending out, you know, these people. And to, to But at the end of the day, I, I, I definitely agree with it. The, the, there's no question that genuine uh, um, going into it is going to be everything. The neo-Hasidus part of it, I think, also comes from a different aspect. Um, where I was just saying that, like, our kids go out there and people think that, like, we're, we're barbarians and we have no logic to us or we have no anything like that. And obviously we're Am Chacham Benavin, so we have everything but that. Like we're, we're, but the, also the beauty. Like, it, it, you know, your story, right? Uh, Hylilus, the, the yeah. when you got smacked by Hylilus, Hylilus, yeah. right? You know, the, the beauty, the beauty to, to Frumkai, the beauty to being a Frum Jew, the enjoyment, the pleasure of it, how, how awesome it is. So when when Rabbi Nachman or any of these things come around and these people are happy and dancing and going, of course people want to have to do with that. When Hasidah starts to develop this idea that you're an individual, that you have a neshama, that you have this, and speaks deeply about it and speaks about your individuality and speaks about your, 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 you know, your connections to the Rabbi Nishlam, the exact connections and how you can have them and practical things as opposed to just you know, all out there things, of course people want to, want to connect to that. But I think people want to connect to that because we're not giving it enough to, to to our kids, to our communities, in general. Yeah. So yes, I'm, I I just looked at the time. Wow. I, I we only have about like a minute or two left. Yeah. Me too. Um, yeah. I just so, said that also. So so I'm saying you know it's a shame because I, I I this is a subject that I hold really dear to my heart. You know, so many Yidden are are right. just so far. Um, you know, as far as the accountability, you should know that Riv Berkowitz. One of his first things that he did when he took over Eishat Torah was that I know that he was ta- I don't know if it happened, but he was talking about hiring uh, a third-party firm to do a real um, study as far as um, success, uh, what should really be deemed uh, success, like from the grievances that people may have that they were right. in a car of and then they don't have a Rebbe afterwards, um, short-term, long-term, and then to really right. come with an evaluation at the end and use that as the almost uh, climax that we're meant to get to um, with being Mikarov and that the whole numbers thing uh, may not be really the very best way. But I just think that in closing, um, if a person really wants to go into this field, please don't go into this field. Don't become a Rebbe. Don't become a Mikarov if you have nothing else to do. We have met those people along the way. Uh, Moshe Weinberger. Ramosha Weinberger got a fire over Rickwitz's call, and he said, he's like, if you need a job, I can try to help. But please don't do this if what you need is a job. If what you're looking for is a job and you think that this is the easy way, then, then please, please, I'm going to try to help you get a job. But don't do this. Please don't do this. You're going to do so much more damage than yeah, good. And, and, and so that's certainly something you have to have a passion for. Even if you're a good speaker and even if um, you have like a passion you still have to fill your mind with a lot of Torah. That's going to be a different podcast where we're going to talk about that. You really do have to have a lot of the understandings yeah. and clarity I was avoiding to try to give it yeah. over. No, well, well, because it's going to be a whole other topic. But ultimately, I think what we came out with today, Yas, right, yeah. is that the lines of Rechokim and Kroivim are very much blurred because I feel that the ammunition that we come with is one and the same, which is that teaching genuine Torah and trying to live the genuine life that the Torah demands of us. And ultimately, that is what's considered being on the path, and that's what's going to help other people to get on the path. Again, you know, when I, just to end, when I was, um, when I was learning hypnosis, a little, little drop, drop. <laughs> right. when I was learning hypnosis, I, um, there's one, one concept that I really, I just, I, I, I took to every, just about every conversation I think I, I, I have nowadays. And, and it doesn't matter if I'm talking to, it's, it's the concept of go first. You can't hypnotize a person unless you're hypnotized. You got to go first. If you're not on fire, if you're not waking up in the morning and just psyching yourself up on fire, right? You're, I, I imagine Shemna Bramchik getting out of bed every single morning <laughs> and saying, yay, the Ramana Shalom, and then going and then Shemna going Bramchik straight to is, like, is, is my brother-in-law like, over here, and he's one of the greatest Yidden. 
Yasmin yeah. and I dislike him because we love him way too much. We're just so jealous. We just of like him. him so much. It's, right, that's what it is. We respect him too much. I think it's. it's I, I, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not worthy <laughs> of loving Shimon Aronsky. So we, you know, you know on you know on those cartoons when they start when when they start to run and they're like. And then they, they, what do you call it? So, like, you have to rev yourself up. If you want to do this, you got to rev yourself up every day. There's no day off from your connection to Rabbi Nishalayim. You can have a dispute with him. You cannot understand him for a day. But before you walk into that basement, before you walk into that office, you say to him every single day, Rabbi Nishalayim, we have our differences right now. I get it. I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't know that was, that was going to happen. But we're going in here together, right? You, you got to have that on your head. If you don't, if you don't, then you're being a car of people to you, not him. And that is the beginning of the end of so many people, is when they start being a car of people to them and not to Hashem. Very good. If you try to do that, well it, said, it just yes. will always end badly for you. You have to in, 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 infuse yourself with your own belief. you got to go first. If you go first every single day, they'll follow suit. If you don't go first, you cannot well be said. upset. When okay. Thank you so, so much for listening. This was another uh, podcast brought to you by Meaningful Minute of Two Cents. I'm Ari Ben-Shushan, my brother Yossi Ben-Shushan. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for listening. Big shout out to Meaningful Minute. This is amazing. And by the way, to our cameraman, go. Shout out to TJ, who does a wonderful wonderful job of here. We have to get his like his information for the next time if anybody needs uh, videography or photography. We're, yeah, Needs? we're definitely reposting there. Right. We're definitely reposting their stuff. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening or watching to episode three of the Two Cents podcast with Rabbi Ari and Rabbi Yossi Ben Shushan. Hope you enjoyed. We love hearing your feedback, so make sure to leave a comment if you're watching us on YouTube, or you can go ahead and download the Meaningful Minute app, and you can listen to this podcast a few days before it comes out everywhere else. That's not the only thing you could do on this app. You can have access to real-time thoughts and ideas from your favorite rabbis, your favorite speakers via the Meaningful Minute feed. Every day, every hour, every minute, there's new content posted and you can be the first one to see it. So go ahead and download this app. It is free and it's got a community of over 15,000 people who are enjoying it every single day. So head to your app store, Google Play Store, whichever phone you're using and download the app today. Hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more.